we want to base our animation off of some kind of semblance of real physics and real gravity. But at the same time, you want to be able to push those things as an animator because our goal is to make the most entertaining shot possible. So that means sometimes throwing those original ideas out the window of like, okay, this is what good physicality is like in order to get that most entertaining piece possible. Select CT. Hello, everybody. This is Select CT, a podcast about digital media careers in Connecticut. I'm your host, David DeRoche. I run the podcast program at Quinnipiac University. And this podcast is a partnership between Quinnipiac, the University of Connecticut, and Digital Media Connecticut. We've got a great show today, especially for any of you animation fans, because we have Tim Suarez, who's an animator at Blue Sky Studios. He's worked as an animator on films like The Peanuts Movie, Ice Age, Collision Course, Ferdinand, Spies in Disguise, and Nimona. And he also teaches at the Anim School, which is a school where you can learn how to do animation. Tim, thanks so much for joining us on Select CT. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I'm guessing that listeners right now might be familiar with names like Pixar, DreamWorks, and of course, Disney, but maybe not so familiar with Blue Sky, even though Blue Sky is one of the largest production studios on the East Coast. So just tell us a little bit about the work that Blue Sky does in uh, your role in the company. Yeah, I mean, so Blue Sky is kind of considered one of the other major feature film studios in the States, along with Pixar and Disney and, you know, I'd say Germix as well. Um, We're actually sister sister studios to Pixar and Disney now, now that we're under that whole Disney umbrella. But yeah, we're mostly just known for the movies that you've talked about, you know, mostly known for the Ice Age franchise, uh, the real franchise. My first feature film was the Peanuts movie. Um, So yeah, just stuff like that. Understand that you got to animate Scrat. So for you Ice Age fans, uh, Scrat is the squirrel that um, is probably one of the more entertaining silent characters in the Ice Age uh, franchise. What was that like? And I think you animated him in a space uniform. So you got to be a little creative with that. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that shot, I think the one you're referring to is when he's in this UFO and just kind of like skyrocketing down to earth, like screaming the whole time. Um, so yeah, that was definitely a lot of fun. You know, Sky is definitely like one of the most iconic characters of, of Blue Sky. So um, yeah, it was it was really interesting to kind of play around with his character and see you know how I could contribute to that. I guess that whole <laughs> legacy of of the Scrat, you know. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was a ton of fun. That shot was. It was really interesting and, and fun to work on. Yeah, Scrat certainly has a legacy. And so what sort of like creative, uh, just talk about that for real quick, because I, I personally, I, I think he's an amazing character. So um, being able to add sort of a creative vision to him, because uh, as a character, he sort of appears the same, um, you know, visually, but you got to actually change how he looked. How did you get to the point where you knew this is how you wanted him to look? Um, well, as far as the animation goes, you know, I, th- I think, from a design standpoint, that was something that they had already decided that Scrat was going to be in, in outer space now, you know. Um, he had, you know, there's only certain so much I think you can do with Scrat now. So I think taking him in outer space was just pushing him a little bit, you know, further than he normally is. So they had already decided to do that before I even got on the scene and, and animated him. But um, as far as the animation goes, um, yeah, like it, it's a lot different because if you think of Scrat, he's he's more of like a quadruped kind of character on all fours but for this one he's in a spacesuit so we treat him more of like a bipedal kind of humanoid character um so yeah and, and the animation process of just like usually what i do is is um I, I would usually get in there and shoot reference of myself or some colleagues kind of acting the scene out before i get in to animate it so um that's just what i do and 
and you know just do the best that I can to to create an entertaining performance before I even get to the computer. Um, that's usually kind of the main process for animators. We like to shoot reference of ourselves just acting out the scene. Um, and then getting approval on that and then just animating it from there. That sounds like a lot of fun. So Tim, let's back up a little bit. Tell us how you got to where you are. Like, how did you decide that animation was something you wanted to do? And how did you land the job at Blue Sky Studios? Yeah, I mean, I I think I was just one of those kids growing up that was just always into cartoons. Um, and I always wanted to get into animation somehow. I just didn't really know exactly what that meant, you know? Um, so I think I, I was also just one of those people in college too, where I wasn't really sure what I wanted to commit to career-wise. And so I did, I did spend a lot of time in, in college, just kind of dabbling here and there. I took some film classes. I took some figure drawing classes. Um, but I'm, I'm from California. I'm from, I'm from the Silicon Valley. So everyone there is very tech oriented. So the first thing that I really tried to do was, um, be a computer programmer. Like I learned, you know, like C programming and all that kind of stuff. Um, problem was I wasn't really good at any of that. So I kind of went through the motions and took classes, um, failed most of them. And so I finally decided, you know what, I'm not good at this programming thing. I'm just going to do what I really want to do. And I'm going to try to see if there's any animation classes that I can actually take and, and see if that works out. So after a while, I'm kind of going, like looking for schools and, and going through the motions of that, I found this school called Animation Mentor, which is, it was one of the first online schools that you can go to for animation. And what was really cool about that was that um, when you take classes there, you're actually taking classes with industry professionals, you know, like guys that were currently working at the studios that, you know, were making movies at the time. So I had a lot of uh, mentors from DreamWorks, you know, Pixar, Blue Sky, all over the place. So getting to learn firsthand from those guys that were currently working uh, was a really big deal for me. So I kind of went through the program there and then, after making it, you know, about halfway through the program, I got an offer from Blue Sky Studios to go work on the Peanuts movie um, as a tenth animator. So hopped on that and been there ever since. That's pretty cool. And so coming to Connecticut to work was that something that surprised you that there was an actual uh, animation studio in Connecticut? Because I guess most people think of you know Hollywood or New York, but here Blue Sky is one of the biggest animation studios, and it's right there in Greenwich. Yeah. What were you thinking when you uh, uh, learned about that and, and started working in Connecticut? I mean, I had no idea about anything about Connecticut or, you know, that there was an animation studio even here. I, of course, I knew Blue Sky, but I I didn't really know that Blue Sky was located in, in Greenwich, Connecticut. You know, I thought it was more of like maybe like a New York kind of thing, which they used to be in Newark, but they, they moved recently to Greenwich. Um, and yeah, it was definitely a weird thing because coming from California, you know, um, I'm really close to Hollywood and L.A. where all those other studios were, you know, DreamWorks are really nearby. Um, Sony at the time was really nearby Disney. You know, I live like 40 minutes away from Pixar. So going across the country to, to go work in film was definitely a surprise to me. But I mean, I, it was such a great opportunity. I didn't really think twice about it. Yeah, I can imagine. And so what's it like on the East Coast for you? It's, it's different. <laughs> I think uh, there's a lot of adjusting to do, especially because I'm a Californian. I'm not really used to the weather here. I'm not really used to different seasons. Like I don't know what that is. So coming out here was... <laughs> Definitely, definitely very different. <laughs> it is. It's definitely a shift. And I, I feel like, uh, you know, the West Coast sort of like, you know, take it easy kind of mentality it goes out the window pretty fast when you come over here and everybody's just like, you know, screaming and yelling at you <laughs> to get out of the way and all that fun stuff. Um, so you've been here uh, for some time now working on some pretty awesome animation films. That's pretty cool. And I think one thing Blue Sky is known for is its 3D work. 
can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Is it is it a different sort of process and what sort of things uh, 3D studios look for when they're looking for 3D artists? Is it do they want somebody who has a very specific expertise in 3D or they want somebody who can do like a variety of things? Can, uh, tell me your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, um, I could speak to the the bigger studios cause, like Blue Sky because that's kind of where, I, where my expertise is. But it's it's going to vary depending on what studio you're looking to apply to. Um, but for these bigger studios like, you know, like a Blue Sky and, and Dreamers, these feature film studios, for the most part, they're really looking for students who specialize in one particular area of the, of the field, right? So um, if you're an if you're an animator, they're really looking for people who specialize in specifically 3D animation performance kind of stuff. Um, if you're a modeler, they really want to see you just a really great modeler. It doesn't, it doesn't matter so much that you have a wide spectrum of skills. Um, it could be helpful, but um, they're more looking for people who specialize in one thing rather than a jack of all trades. Now, if you go to one of the smaller, like a, a commercial house or maybe even some video game places, uh, especially the indie kind of video game um, scene, I would say that you're a little bit more valuable if you are a jack of all trades, if you could do a little bit of every one thing, you know. Um, and I have a lot of friends who you know came from commercial houses, they came from those smaller video game places, and they just have a, a wider array of skill sets, which is really cool. Um, but it's more likely that you're going to get into one of these bigger studios if you just commit to one uh, kind of specialty. So would it be fair to say that if you want to get into gaming, being a generalist is probably helpful, but if you actually want to get into film work, then you have, have something specific that you can be really good at. I would say that's, that's like pretty accurate to say, yeah. Okay. And so what, what do you think, I mean, you mentioned um, animating and modeling. Do you think, what are some other relevant skills uh, you think outside of learning how to use 3D animation software that are useful for an animator? I think for, for me, um, before I actually started uh, 3D animation, I was really big into figure drawing um, and learning posing from, from that sense and just having a live model and really studying the anatomy of a pose and just, just overall like human anatomy. Um, when, you, when you do that, you really kind of give yourself a head start for the, the CG world because most of what we do as animators is depicting accurate weight and physicality. Um, there has to be some like believable mechanics and there and believable anatomy when you're moving your characters around. So I think having that background in figure drawing and, and doing that for years, it really helped me when I started to understand like, okay, this is how I pose my characters in 3D space. This is how I make a character feel, um, you know, like they have weight to them, like there's gravity that's affecting them, that their, their body is moving in a believable, more accurate way, you know? So that's definitely one thing that I really recommend to, to people who, um, you know, might want to start to get into animation. Like figure drawing is a really great place to start. Um, yeah, I think that, was, that 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 might be the main thing that I that I probably did before actually hopping on to uh, to three D work. Okay, so when you're talking about animating uh, a a quadruped, in this case, I would say uh, Scrat, <laughs> since we since you're familiar with him, um, and but then animating him in, in an environment. Uh, where there's low gravity, to your point, you animated more like a bipedal uh, creature. I'm curious how that what that process was like. How did you sort of say, okay, this is how he would move in gravity, but this is how he mo might move in in zero gravity? And where there's some sort of like, how did you play around with movement to get to the place where you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tricky thing because we do animate like we want to base our animation off of some kind of semblance of real physics and and 
and it's real gravity. But at the same time, you want to be able to push those things as an animator because our goal is to make the most entertaining shot possible. So that means sometimes throwing those original ideas out the window of like, okay, this is what good weight is, this is what good physicality is like, um, in order to get that most entertaining piece possible, you know, um, which sounds almost kind of counterintuitive because I just was mentioning how important all that stuff was. Um, but it's more of like, you really have to learn how to, you really have to learn the rules first before you really start to break and bend them. And in, the, in anything really, like whether he's in space or not, anything scrap related, I think has to have that idea in there. It's like what are like what are the base rules of of just good physicality and body mechanics, and how can we really push that and cheat that to make that character you know more scrat like? Mm. And that makes a lot of sense because if you imagine animated characters, usually you know they do push limitations, but they have limitations, um, and and sort of like the uh, disbelief that's required as a listener, it's not that much because it's animation. So you, you give a lot, you give the animators a lot more freedom to sort of experiment with, you know, re- overly dramatic movements and stuff like that. So it, it's interesting to me to see, to hear about how you guys think about understanding the rules and then breaking them in a way that's entertaining. So I love that. That's super cool. So you also teach yourself and you have worked in the past as an adjunct uh, instructor at the University of Connecticut. So what kind of insight do you gain as an instructor knowing that you were a student at one time what kind of insight do you gain now that um might help you reach students who are looking to get into your profession hmm, yeah that's a that's a really good question i mean i i think from from what i've seen um you know like teaching i, I teach at i've taught at uconn in the past and currently teach at um the online school adams school um and they're they're very different ways I think very different approaches to reaching students. Um, but I think in general, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about, you know, what studios are looking for. I think most students um, aren't really on like a set committed path to one thing. So if, if you know that you want to, to be in animation, you know, um, I'd really just focus on one discipline and try to get as good as you can with that one discipline and just really commit yourself. You know, you, you can just say that for the next, you know, uh, four, three, four years, I'm going to just be learning 3D animation, just character animation. Um, that way, it will allow you to get your foot in the door at a studio, whether it's a big studio or not. And then if you want to pick up something else, um, anything else that you might be interested in is very adjacent to that, right? And I have a lot of um, a lot of friends who, you know, a lot of friends that I work with that were animators with me, and at one point, they decided that they want to switch career, careers. You know, they wanted to be in biz dev or go to story. And that's a very common thing um, that I see. And for me personally, you know, I'm really interested in writing. So uh, all that stuff is very adjacent to what I do currently. So I can go, I can literally walk across the, the studio to talk to somebody who writes and kind of explore ideas with them, you know. So um, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, like what I see a lot is students having this fear and almost being paralyzed by that like not really knowing what the one thing they want to commit to but i honestly think if you just if you have a passion for any general area like animation you can just pick any discipline and if you want to years later just you know learn another another thing um i think it's a very possible thing for students to to do i think if they can if if most people if more people considered that they can just change later on and not be like locked down to one career um 
I think they might find some what of a freedom in that. Yeah, absolutely. Do you see things changing at a pace that students are able to keep up with? Do you feel like the challenges to actually keep up with changing technology are going to increase as we go along? Or do you feel like things have stabilized? Like, what's your thought on that? I think right now, um, the, only, the, really, the thing that I see kind of looming is the whole concept of VR. And that could be a learning curve for some people. And I, I, might, I don't have a lot of experience with you know, working in VR, but, you know, there are some things at Blue Sky where they are experimenting, they're experimenting in that format. And I have some of my friends who are animators who never worked in VR before kind of hop into that realm and kind of hit the ground just running, you know? Um, so I personally don't see um, tech, like more technology or new technology being so much as a hurdle, but being more as a, as a more useful tool for us to kind of learn and, and tell stories in, in a better and different way. I think as long as like you're, there's a willingness to to learn that thing, I think you'll be okay. And like if, as long as you keep yourself flexible to to be able to do that, you should be okay. Because the things that really matter are the foundational skills that you do learn um, that apply to two D animation and they apply to three D animation and they're gonna apply to to VR animation as well. You know, um, so if you just keep those core fundamentals in mind. Um, I think you should be okay. Let me ask you one last thing, and then we can wrap it up. So, tell me where you think the industry is headed in five to ten years. Do you feel like more things are going to be augmented reality, virtual reality type things? And what about in Connecticut specifically? Do you think Connecticut is positioned to have more opportunities um, for animators, more studios, or more work at Blue Sky? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I I really hope that there's going to be more opportunities, and I, I know that in just being at Blue Sky, um, they are trying to have better relationships with local lo- local schools and just and just schools in general you know they're, they're definitely um reaching out to to more schools and trying to work with them on that front so i do think that in the future there will be more opportunities at least more opportunities um to learn from industry professionals while you're still in a school like uconn or you know whatever university you're going to um so i, I definitely think that's going to be a possibility as far as the general industry um it's really hard to tell from my vantage point because, you know, especially in the, situ- the situation that we're in right now, but I definitely do think that VR uh, will be a bigger thing. Like, we'll probably see a lot more VR things um, once the hardware becomes a little bit more accessible and a little bit more viable for the average household. At that times right now, it's not a super practical thing for most people to have. So that's, I think that's one of the reasons why it's holding that back. But I think once they find a way to make it just a little bit more easier for, for people to have and to own, I think that will really start to to get kicking. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really feel like just in general too, like I, I, I really love seeing new experimental stuff and like the stuff that we're seeing like Spider-Verse and, you know, I think Sony is doing some really great things. So as long as we keep like pushing the medium, I think animation will, will continue to be strong. And Tim, any final thoughts or words of wisdom for students wanting to get into your business? Yeah, I would say just to kind of echo the that one theme that I've been kind of going on, like definitely um, commit to to one thing. You know, if you want to be an animator, commit to animation. Just really go hard on that. You know, um, I always tell my students to to get feedback from each other. Always always help each other out. You know, if if you can reach out to working professionals that are at the studios that you want to work at. You know, like we have we have social media now, which is a really great tool for your students to use. You know, something like LinkedIn. You can literally just message someone at Disney or whatever, you know, and just like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a student, I'm trying to work in animation, can you take a look at my work? And, and you'll never know what kind of responses that you might get, you know. 
So I think that's something that I, that I always kind of recommend people to do. Just reach out, you know, get feedback, get some help, get some mentorship. Um, and yeah, just keep going. Absolutely. Connect with people and be a professional pest as much as possible. That's that's the advice I usually give. <laughs> I want to thank Tim Suarez for uh, joining us. Tim's an animator at Blue Sky Studios. Tim, thanks so much for joining us on Select CT. On the next episode of Select CT, join us for a conversation with Bernard Francois, founder of Preview Labs, Elena Bertazzi, director of game design and development at Quinnipiac, and Kim Hefia, a research scientist at the Yale School of Medicine. We'll be talking about game development in Connecticut, so please tune in. Select CT is a podcast production of Digital Media CT in partnership with Quinnipiac University, the University of Connecticut, and the Connecticut Office of Film, Television, and Digital Media. Our producer is Justin Matley. Matt Werwood is our executive producer. Our marketing coordinator is Marvin Lewis. I'm David Roche. Thanks for listening. Select CT.